We're going to continue in our uh, Fruit of the Spirit series today. And if you're uh, new with us here uh, this, this Sunday, this is a series in which we're seeing all of the ways that God wants to make us more like him uh, through the fruit of the Spirit. And each week we've been taking a closer look at each and every one of these characteristics in the fruit. And as we've been doing each week, I'm going to have us uh, speak these verses out loud because the goal is by the end of this series, we're going to have all of this memorized. So let's read this together again today. Um, I think I'm blind, blind here. There we go. Um, Let's see if this works. Hey, there we go. We got Rebecca in. All right, let's, let's read the Galatians 5 together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And a little trick I said last week is if, if you're looking to memorize these verses, uh, this is in the ESV that we have up there, memorize it by syllables. There's... Uh, one syllable for the first three, two syllables for the second three, and three syllables for the uh, last three. But so far we've done love, we've, we focused on joy last week, and this week we're focusing on peace. And this is really the peace that, that God gives us. This is God's peace that we grow in as believers. And if you're also new in our church today, you know, fundamental to our beliefs as, as a church and as people of God is that we find truth in God's word. We, we find the framework of what we believe in, in the Bible. And uh, when we look at the, the word peace throughout the Bible, the reality is there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of verses that really explain what peace is in our life. And today we'll be doing less than 100 verses, uh, but not much. So if you're flipping through your Bible today, uh, your pages might be smoking uh, by the end of the sermon because we're looking at a lot of things. And with that, we're only going to be able to take just a small peek at what each of those things uh, are, the, the, the qualities of peace. But we're going to kind of look at it as, as three layers of peace, that God is peace, that God gives peace, and that God makes peace. And through that, what that means for us, what it means for believers is that we are to be peace-loving, we are to be peace-filled, and we are to be peace-making. Uh, but before we start looking at those handful of verses here, let me just take a moment to pray for, for this message and to pray for you uh, as, as we're looking into this together. So pray with me. So Lord, I want to thank you for this gift of peace that you give us for the fruit of your spirit that is alive and, and those who believe in you. And God, I want to pray specifically for those this morning that are feeling, uh, feeling some sort of conflict in their life or in their soul, that there's a bit of unrest or there's trouble or there's trial or there's something, we, uh, fear or worry that, that is robbing the peace in their life. God, I pray that they would hear from you today, that they would know that you offer peace through all things and that you offer peace that's greater than all things. And so God, I pray for all of us that, that we could be uh, more reliant and trusting in you that we can grow in the peace that you give us. And Lord, that we do this through your power and for your glory. And so I just pray your blessings over this time. Speak to us now through your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, the first layer of peace we're going to look at today is, is what I had just said, that God in himself is peace. And if you open to the book of 1 Corinthians 
First uh, Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to look at one specific verse here. But before I do that, before I read that, uh, let me give you a little bit of context of what this verse is about. So you understand what point is being made here. And when you look into this section of 1 Corinthians 14, you kind of get a slice in, into a, a look into two things here. One is the early church of Corinth and what's happening in their church. But the second is also the very nature and the very being of who God is. And a condensed version of what happens in the 32 verses before this is Paul is addressing an issue here in the church where basically it's, it's just chaos when they come together as believers. And there's, you know, a, a handful of people speaking in tongues at once and a handful of people prophesying at once. And you got some people saying, you know, amen. And he's kind of like, well, what are you even saying amen to? And, and they're saying, thank you, Jesus. And he's saying, what, to, to what? And everything is happening all at once, and he's not condemning the gifts of prophecy or tongues here, but, but really how they're being used. And the whole church was kind of in this disharmony where everyone is trying to kind of be better than one another at these things, and, and they're building themselves up and edifying themselves. And it's not a place of peace or of order, but of disorder. And so he concludes that whole matter after some instruction in this verse by saying... But God is not a God, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And he goes on to say, and, and, and that should be the same in the congregation of the Lord's people. And so we see here kind of a, a, a matter of, of who God is. It's a, a peek into his nature that God in and of himself is a God of peace. It's, it's who he is at the core, and we know that God is, is the triune God of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit who have coexisted for all of eternity, and the Father, Son, Holy Spirit live in peace and in harmony of one another. There's no one trying to be greater than the other. There's no one talking over the other one. The uh, Holy Spirit is not trying to look more powerful than the Son, and, and the Son is not getting in an argument with the Father. You get this idea that, that co they have coexisted in this perfect peace for all of eternity, and right now it is true that God is a God of peace at his very core. And that's who we should be as people, as people who love peace and seek peace in all situations. God is a God of peace. And we go on further then uh, in this, this same kind of argument. If you go back a book in your Bible, be several pages to Romans 8, we're going to see now this, this section of Scripture that talks about the differences of those who have faith in God and those who don't. Those who live a life in the flesh and those who live a life in the Spirit and what that looks like. And, and those who live without faith are going to do basically whatever they want to do. Their minds are set on the own desires of the flesh. This is verse 5 before this. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So what does the Spirit desire? Well, we see that here in this verse. That the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Those who are governed by the Spirit or those who have faith in God would then desire peace because God at his core desires peace. God is peace. 
And if we are of God, we are also to be of peace. And the more the Spirit grows in you and works in you, the more peace should abound in you. And that's why we see it listed as the third in the fruit of the Spirit. Peace is a mark of who God is, but then it's also a mark of who the believers in God are. And in the world, we see so much unrest, and we see so much disharmony, and and we're about to get into a very nasty political season where it's going to be fighting and contention and complaining. And there's people that are just kind of bent towards the drama in their life, right? They love the arguments and the the grudges and and the divisions, and this simply is not of God. Is not something that the believer should want and work towards in life. We are to be peace-loving as Christians. And if there's differences in your life, uh, especially with other people, we're to settle those things and and to come to a place of harmony. Because here's a, a little peek into heaven for you. There's no such thing as a grudge in heaven. There's no such thing as an argument in heaven. There's no such thing as gossip in heaven. Those things do not exist in the presence of God because they are not of God. There's no jealousy in heaven. There's no power struggles in heaven. And there's actually one person, one being who tried all of that, and his name is Lucifer. Okay, And it didn't end so well for him. But those who do not know God are going are, are to be prone to the temptations of Satan. And they're going to live in the flesh and they're going to want to be hostile to people. And the verse after this says that the mind governed by the flesh is actually hostile even to God. But those who are alive in the spirit are seeking and loving peace. You get the idea of the striking contrast here between those who are in the Lord and those who aren't. Peace is at the center of who God is. Peace is at the center of who we should be. And so if we love God and if God is peace, then it means we are to also love peace, be peace-loving and desire it above all else. So that's the first layer of peace here is that God himself is peace. He is the God of peace. But the gift here is that God gives peace. And that's what we hold on to and, and what gives us hope and comfort in any situation. And I'm going to look at two verses kind of together. Now, there's always some danger in shoving two verses together to make a point. But these two verses are actually taken at the front end and the back end of the same discussion of Jesus. These these verses are meant to kind of build upon one another. If you flip now back to John 14... This is the really part of the last conversation that, that Jesus has with his disciples before he will be, in a few hours, taken by the soldiers from the garden and crucified on the cross and, and laid in the grave. And he's, he's prepping them and warning them that I'm going to be away from you for a little bit, but I'm going to give you my peace while I'm gone. And so at the front end of that conversation in verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. A lot of amazing promises there from Jesus. And that's for all of us as well. And he kind of concludes this whole discussion in verse 
uh, 33 of chapter 16. I have told you these things that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now there's three really big important promises in these verses that I want you to hold on to today. All right, and promise number one is maybe one that you don't want to hear, but you see it right there in verse uh, 33 of John 16. Promise number one is you will have trouble, okay? You will have trouble. And, and we've talked a lot about troubles and trials throughout this series, and I think as, as Christians, a lot of times we get confused because we think everything should be easy, and when troubles come into our lives of any kind, we kind of shake our fist at God and say, why would you do that to me? Well, because Jesus promised it would happen. Okay, it shouldn't be a surprise. And, and we know that, that everyone faces troubles of, of every kind. So you will have trouble. And that's the first promise you have to understand is life isn't always going to be easy. But there's a point and a purpose to it. But then we hold on to promise two, which is greater than that. The promise is that Jesus will give us his peace. You will have troubles. But even more importantly, you will have peace if you're following and trusting Jesus and have faith in him. Peace is a promise of God. And no matter what you're going through, God desires and begs you to have peace through it, the peace that he can give you. Because we also see promise number three in all of this, which is in John 14, 27, that his peace is greater than the world's troubles. And it could also be read as his peace is greater than the peace you might find in something in the world that he does not give to you as the world gives. Jesus gives us a different kind of peace that isn't built on situation. It's not built on attitude. It's, it's built on eternity. His peace is an eternal peace that can last through any situation, last through any life. And you bring that peace with you into eternity where you experience the fullness of peace there. His peace is eternal. And you'll, 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 you'll feel the fullness of that peace in eternity. And that's what we need to understand about this peace that God gives, this amazing promise is that this peace that guards you right now, your hearts and your minds, the peace that, that guides you is the same exact peace and, and maybe just a slice of the peace that you will receive in heaven. So when you have this peace, you're actually tasting heaven, the peace that is greater than any trouble or trial in your life. As Christians, we are to be peace-filled. And it's not always easy, but it's always possible. And it's always desired by God. It's something you need to work towards, as we're going to talk about as we end the sermon in a moment here. But, but peace is something we are to seek. It's something we are to pray for. It's something we are to find only in the Lord. And, and in the book of 2 Thessalonians, Paul has a beautiful prayer to end that in 2 Thessalonians 3. He says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. May the Lord of peace give you peace at all times and in every way. And what a beautiful prayer that is. A prayer we should be praying for ourselves and for one another. 
that in this world we're going to have troubles of every kind and in every way, but we can have peace at all times and in every way. That's the promise of God is that when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that you will also be filled with peace that will be greater than anything that you may be going through in the moment. And the third point I want to look at here, this third layer of peace, is, is that God himself makes peace. Okay, it's not just being peaceful and, and giving us peace in and of ourselves, but he makes peace in relationships. And, and there's kind of two folds to this here. And the first is our interpersonal relationships, you know, friends, families, coworkers, neighbors, whatever it might be, that he can make peace and reconcile people. And in the book of Ephesians, there's these beautiful verses that are listed here, uh, talking about the peace that God gives, the peace that God makes. And it reads, Ephesians 2.14, that he himself, and this is talking about Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier and the dividing wall of hostility. Now, the two groups that are being spoken about here are the Jews and the Gentiles. And these are two groups of people that have hated each other and were in many ways at war with each other for generations and millennia. And now they are together in churches worshiping God and, and sharing meals and taking care of one another and becoming brothers and sisters. And it's one of those things that if you traveled in time from like maybe a decade earlier, you'd be going like, what is going on here? Right? It'd be like unbelievable that Jews and Gentiles are together in true unity and love. And Jesus did that. Jesus did that. He makes peace. And, and the same is true of anyone in our life. If you're at this point where you're saying, there's no way I could ever forgive that person. There's no way we could ever work together again. There is a way. And that way is Jesus. And when, when two parties, no matter how much the animosity and conflict, come together and keep Jesus at the center, Jesus will make peace. And there will be reconciliation. It's this beautiful picture of what historically happened, but that also this promise of what can happen in our lives. Jesus is there to make peace in any situation. But more importantly, Jesus came to make peace between us and God. And this is kind of the second fold here of how God makes peace, and this is the most important, that, that Jesus came to make peace between man and God. Romans 5, 1, that therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the greatest peacemaking that Jesus did was between us and God, and only Jesus could make that peace. And see, the, the issue here is this, it's, it's, it's our sin. Right, that everyone has sinned, everyone has fallen short of God's glory, and in all of the verses before this in Romans are basically expounding that point that we got a problem, guys. All of us have a problem, and our sin keeps us from harmony or union or relationship with God. There's this barrier there. It's the greatest barrier we face in our life that if we are in our sins, we are dead in our sins, and we are separated from God. But, but Jesus came 
not only to uh, have us forgiven of our sins, but to have our sins removed from us, that we would be justified even in our sins before God, and we are made right. And that was through his sacrifice on the cross. And when we have faith in what Jesus did for us and only Jesus could do for us to remove our sins from us, that we become at peace with God. We become in relationship with God, and, and right relationship means to be made righteous with God. The whole mission of Jesus was not to make us best friends with one another or buddy buddies with your neighbor, but to make us sons and daughters of God. And it was done by the forgiveness of our sins. And it's only possible then to experience that, pace, that peace through faith and faith in Jesus. And friends, this is something only Jesus can do. We can't make peace with God ourselves. We can't go do a lot of nice things and think a lot of good thoughts. It's, it's faith in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross and believing that all he did is all that was necessary to experience peace, eternal peace with God. Jesus came to make peace with one another and more importantly between us and the Lord. And so as Christians, as believers, we are also to be peacemakers who we love peace and we seek peace and we make peace. But see, there's obstacles in our way. And, and when, when Jesus spoke about this peace that he was gonna offer to his disciples and to all who would believe, he said, do not let your hearts be a trouble. Do not be afraid because Jesus knows there's many obstacles we face to peace in our life. I'm just going to look at three obstacles very quickly here. Three obstacles to peace. And, and the first is fear, okay? This is fear about things that are actually happening around you. Fear about present, real troubles in your life or things that you believe are real troubles in your life and, and something we're all prone to do. And, and there's so many reminders to not be afraid as Christians. And yet, we are continuously afraid and that's going to rob you of peace in your life. And when you look all the way back in the book of Psalms, this is a Psalm of David. He talks about this situation he's in right now where he may be prone to this fear that we be robbed of peace. And he says, I lie down and I sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Okay, I'm going to give you just a quick insight into the situation he's actually in right now when he says, I'm not going to be afraid of this. And, he, and he's basically saying, you know, I put my head on the pillow and I fall asleep and I wake up and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep going through life with this peace that God can give me. And the situation is this, that, that in this moment he's fleeing for his life from Jerusalem. And many times it's, you know, it's invading kings or it's a group of people, but this is actually extra painful and scary for him. He's fleeing from his life from his very own people. All right. Israelites themselves are, are trying to kill David because even more painfully, his own son Absalom had, had slowly and methodically started an uprising against his own dad to try to kind of boot him out and take the king's throne himself. 
And now there's all this pain of his son as the one against him, making his own people whom he loves and who he served for, gen- for, for decades now against him, and he's fleeing for his life. And he's not being melodramatic here by saying there's tens of thousands on every side. Right? Sometimes you can have a bad day at your work, and you're just like, ugh, I feel like the whole world is out to get me. And No, literally, there's tens of thousands of people closing in on him, and he's hiding in a cave, Right? And it's not a pillow he puts his head on. It's, it's like a rock. And he's like, you know what? And I fall asleep. And I wake up. And I won't fear what's going on because I know that God is with me. I remember when I was like six years old, I couldn't fall asleep because I was certain that E.T. was outside of my window. <laughs> and we have these moments where we, we can't sleep, we can't eat because we're just afraid of all these things around us. And here is David in this awful situation. And he says... I'm not going to be afraid. I know God's with me. And I know even though everything looks awful around me that, that God is going to be my strength to the situation. When we let ourselves fear about present realities, it will rob us of the peace in our souls. But we don't often stop there. We, we go on to worry about the things that could be, right? We worry about potential troubles. And if you think about, like, the material of things you can worry about, worry is really about the things unknown. There's literally billions of variables. There's, there's billions of options of things that could happen tomorrow. And if you start going down a list and worrying about every one of them, you'll, you'll never stop. You'll never stop. But Jesus reminds us in the Sermon on the Mount on Matthew 6 that we shouldn't worry about tomorrow, okay? Tomorrow is gonna take care of itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Again, there's enough troubles going on. Don't sit and stew and worry about what could be, but rather remember what is. God is good. God is with you. God is for you, not against you. And if you seek him first and trust him, then everything you need is going to be given to you. All right? So don't worry about tomorrow. And don't rob yourself of the peace that God wants to give you. And the third biblical obstacle of peace, again, we see this consistent throughout the scriptures, is is conflict through interpersonal troubles. Okay? And, And these things are going to happen. And, you know, sometimes certain levels of conflict are necessary to bring peace but what we're talking about here is, is like needless conflict. Things like you know, being jealous or, or, or not liking the way that they greeted you that morning or, or being involved in like gossip and slander of people and, and being suspicious of those around you. And, 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 and you know, there's going to be issues, there's going to be conflict, but the Bible is very clear in how you sort through these things. But I love the honesty of verse uh, 18 of Romans 12 here. And again, this is, this is part of a scripture where he's talking about really the inner workings of the body and how, we're to, how to be working with one another. And, and he says it this way, that if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know, sometimes it's just difficult and it's hard. But if it's possible, and if you've done everything you can do, right, if, if you know someone has an offense against you, the Bible says to go to that person and, and seek forgiveness and reconciliation. If you have an offense against someone, the Bible says to go directly to that person and to talk about it. And the Bible tells us to, to be mutually forbearing and forgiving of one another, like have grace with each other. 
right? And, and do what you can do in any kind of conflict. Maybe it's helping to make peace between two others and getting them together to talk. Do everything you can do. And when you've met to the point of exhaustion of that, then leave it in the Lord's hands. But we should be seeking peace at all times. Peacemaking is not easy, all right? It takes work and it takes courage. But the mistake we make oftentimes is we become passive peacemakers. It's like, I know they're really mad about that, but I'll just let them, you know, I'll let them go, I'll let them stew and that works. And, and I know that that person has a grudge against that person for like two decades, but you know, it's just the way they are. And it's like, you know, peacemaking takes courage. And maybe this is encouragement of saying, maybe it's time to finally talk to that person. Maybe it's time to finally forgive them. And even in your own soul, maybe it's time for you to do the same. But if it is possible, and for as much as it depends on yourself, look at yourself first. If you've done everything you could do, live at peace with everyone in your life. But these are kind of the, the greatest problems of every life as well. These, these are the kind of things that keep you up at night. These are the things that kind of put you into a place of depression, the biggest stressors of your life. And what the Bible says is, avoid them. Don't do them. Not only are you going to have like a better life, but you're going you're to have the peace that God is so desperately wanting to give you. Don't fear. Don't worry. Don't have needless conflict in your life. And you will experience peace. And so I'm going to close with, with kind of a rapid-fire application here. You know, we talked about the three things to avoid. Now we're talking about five things to pursue. All right? Ways that you can grow and peace in your life. And the first is to trust in the Lord. In Romans 15, 13, this is another prayer in which Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. As you trust in God, he will fill you with joy and peace. And just like King David in the cave, fleeing from his own people and his own son, he said, you know what? I trust in the Lord through this all. I'm not going to be afraid and experience the peace that only God can give. Maybe it's not so much fear, but just burden. Maybe you're just wore out. Maybe it's time to rest in Christ. In Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Jesus invites us all. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in my in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. And that's what peace is, is rest in your soul. If you're ready to just collapse in life, then collapse into the arms of Jesus. And find rest in him, and he will give you rest even for your souls. Maybe it's as simple as just praying, right? And praying sometimes is just giving whatever you're going through to God and say, I don't know what to do anymore. I'm at my wit's end. Hand it over to him. And we couldn't do a sermon on peace without these verses from Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Where it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts 
and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if you find yourself in this cycle of worry and anxiety and what's going to happen tomorrow and all these things, just stop. Give it to God in prayer. And I've experienced this many times in my life. I've prayed with others who I've seen visibly experience this before. The, pa- the peace of God just, just washes over you. And it passes all understanding. You can't explain it. But it's letting go of these things and giving them over to God in prayer and experiencing his peace. The fourth thing is to remember God's word. Know what God says about things. And maybe there's, there's a sense of, of, of restlessness in your life because you're listening to lies or, or maybe you just don't have a proper understanding. Know God's word and, and remember it in these moments. And in the book of Proverbs in, in uh, chapter three, it kind of personifies wisdom as, like, as a lady, like lady wisdom. But wisdom, it says, her ways, wisdom are the ways of pleasantness pleasantness and a path of peace. So if you have wisdom, if you know things as God knows things and you hold on to that, you'll find a path of peace. And sometimes we work ourselves up just because we're looking at things the wrong way. We're looking at it through the lens of lies. But know truth and remember truth and it'll be the path of peace. And the last one is one where we kind of, we, ha- we make an effort here all right? And that's seeking unity, particularly with other believers. Again, if you're, if you're bent on arguments and, and contentiousness and, and you're one that, that really wants an us versus them kind of thing at all moments, there'll never be peace, all right? But when you seek unity and keep unity, you're going to find the peace. And there's two quick verses here. Ephesians 4, 3 says that we're to make every effort. This is our responsibility here. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Right, the word for her keep for, for keep means to preserve, like you keep milk in a fridge so it doesn't go bad. God gives us unity through his bond of peace, and now we have to make every effort to keep that. All right, so seeking unity with one another. And then finally, Colossians 3.15, that we're to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Since members have as one body, we were called to peace. All right? So in every situation, no matter how testy and how much trouble, you let God's peace rule in your heart before any other desire or any other idea. Because members of one body were called to peace. Now all five of these things are not my idea. They're not our idea. These are are God's commands to us. And any one of these will increase peace in your life. But, But it's not optional. God commands and expects you to do all five. And his will for you is to be peace-loving and peace-filled and peacemaking. He doesn't want conflict inside of you. He doesn't want conflict around you. He wants you to know him, the God of peace, and for that same peace to rule over your hearts and minds and to guard your hearts and your minds. And so today, I just encourage you to receive that peace and to grow in that peace and to keep that peace. And when you do, you'll have a taste of what heaven will be like. Let's pray as we close today. So Lord, I thank you for this amazing gift, this fruit of the Spirit, this work that you do in us, your peace that you give us. And God, I just pray for us now 
uh, for those who have professed their faith in you, that we'd be people who, who love peace above all else, that, that we are filled with your peace in every situation, and that we are uh, ones that, that are willing to make peace, to be peacemakers in all situations as well. Because, God, we know that you are peace, that you give peace, and that, that you make peace as well. So, God, I pray for us that we would really grow in that, that we would avoid those obstacles to peace, that we, that we be uh, rooted in, in the ways that grow peace in our life. But ultimately understand, Lord, this is your peace that you give us, that we can find it nowhere else but in you. So I, I just pray right now, God, for anyone who has not really made that decision to put their faith in you, that has never experienced this peace that passes understanding, that they would come to this realization that, that they need a peacemaker in their life that's greater than any one of us, God, that you, your son, is truly the peacemaker that came to pay the price for our sins, to be our sacrifice, that there be full faith in you for the forgiveness of sins, and that there's a confession in you as, as Lord and Savior that would rule over our hearts and our minds in every situation. But God, we know anyone that confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that Jesus was raised from the dead will be saved from their sin. And God, we just thank you for that. So anyone here today, God, I pray you would impress upon their hearts this desire to know you and to express their need for you and live in faith for you. And with that, God, you give us this wonderful blessing of peace. So whether we've just made that decision or we've made, we made that decision decades ago, God, you continue to give this peace that is greater than the world. And I pray that for every one of us that you would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And I pray this now in your name, Jesus. Amen.